0: Okay, my friends, what do you think? I know it's kind of a rapid shift.
1: (laughs) Does this mean you're opening the floor to sharing?
0: That's right, Matt. You go for it.
1: I would love to. Um, thank you Aya, so much for uh, a wonderful topic. And um, as always, I'm, I just have to say this so beautifully outlined in a way that makes the Dhamma so relevant um, to you know our our daily lives. <clears throat> uh, this had a lot of resonance with me. A lot many years ago, uh, I began a process with great intention of unpacking this Dhamma package. And for quite a long time, uh, it was not particularly productive. And um, I was unschooled in any kind of a, a, a real process. And, um, and, and given my own um, upbringing, let's say both culturally and religiously and, and with that conditioning, Uh, It was not only unproductive, it might have been a little bit destructive because my experience was um, to begin to unpack that package and look at um, those proclivities, the thoughts, words, deeds, behaviors that um, just intuitively felt wrong simply led to Mm -hmm. self-condemnation. And so it only reinforced some negative uh, self-perceptions. And, um, and then I'll fast forward to keep this brief about seven, eight years ago, I encountered the Dhamma Um, first drawn to it through messages of, you know, Metta and Karuna from talks I'd begun listening to. And I thought, what is this? You know, and then I explored further and and discovered uh, this practice and these teachings, and one of the, so I want to share two specific things. One is um, one of the more profound and instrumental uh, discoveries for me was this notion of skillful versus unskillful behaviors or wholesome versus unwholesome behaviors. That was a huge turning point for me. Um, and, and it is to this day because it helped me to um, kind of neutralize and, and take the the moralization that I had been conditioned to out of that equation. And it allowed me to, to look at these things um, with greater clarity for what they are. Um, perhaps to some extent, I think to not be so personally, personally identified with them as the self um, and to be able to work with them in a more skillful manner. And um, this, is, this was, has been huge for me. Um, and that one teaching, you know, or, or concept, uh, notion, whatever, um, really was a game changer for me, and 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 it really did allow me to look with uh, much greater self compassion at those uh, harmful behaviors. And you know, it's as if the the shift for me, and I, you use some really wonderful analogies. For me, it was uh, the, the the parent who's correcting the child, and um, the message to them with all of their energy is, I love you. You are a good person, but you've done something harmful versus you're a bad person because you've done something harmful. And that's really the shift that I've had to make. And it's a long process. I mean, for me, it has been, um, and it continues. Um, but that's uh, been my experience. And once I could do that and take that person, which is also the, the teaching on Anatta for sure, uh, has really been hugely instrumental in, in my working with this, um, and that's really all I want to share. But what a what a, an, a beautifully, eloquently outlined! Uh, thank you. I, I really identified with everything you shared, and the meditation.
0: Thank you, Matt. Um, I really appreciate your sharing. It always helps to hear mm-hmm. the progress and the experience of people. And, um, and it helps to hear each other's voices, you know, because that's a huge impact on us, another person's voice. So oh, thank you. That's great. And I was thinking about your analogy of the, the parent um, telling the child you're wonderful and um, I love you and, you and you did something that's unskillful. Versus you're a bad person, um, you know, and, or, or you're, you're being bad, you've done something bad, and so therefore you're bad, you know, sometimes it's, it's even stronger in us, we really take in that I'm bad and I can never get better. And so we really have to watch out (laughs) for those, those wrong, wrong ideas, wrong views, Um, coming through. Yeah, thank
2: you. Yes, Helen. Um, yeah, thank you Aya so much for the, the focus on confidence and the unpacking of what we bring. And um, this is going back into the um, more things that I experience as as a, uh, a legally blind person um, where I'm not so skillful in dealing with the public um, and, and seeking um, any any instruction or a reflection that you might have um, um, it's it's pretty much every day when I go into a a store food shopping or something if I'm going by myself I need someone usually who works there to help me find something and inevitably they they don't really want to (laughs) and um they degrade me or say it's right over there I just and I also have my cane out sometimes or I'll just say I'm legally blind I can't see I need help finding it I need you to take me to it And I need you to show me exactly where it is. And each step of the way, they don't want to. And Mm -hmm. they fuss and they fight me. And we get to the place in the aisle where it is. And then they'll just point it, say, it's right there. I'm sure you can see it. It's right there. And I I begin being heightened. So I I, 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 I approach these encounters open and expecting actually goodwill and constantly encounter pretty regularly, like 90% of the time, not goodwill. And you're talking about trying to recognize other people's packages and their stains, but I have a really hard time staying focused. And with each step of the way, I think it's going to get better going down the aisle. Okay. Now it's going to be okay. It's not okay. It's over and over again. And it's just like um, how I, I wonder within myself those moments when someone is trying to attack me or assault me as a, as a woman with a white cane those are quick, they're over fast these are extended, slow pulling the bandage off of me by somebody else who just wants to hurt me have power over me, refuse to help me this is very common You're not supposed, I hear it from blind people all the time or legally blind people, blind people, that there's an opportunity for people to refuse help, to be degrading, to be insulting. (laughs) Um, So staying even through these extended um, interactions and encounters with other people's stains or um, their packages, Mm -hmm. And and then what often happens is I then begin towards the end of this situation, these situations, I begin to really heighten, I start to grow a tail, and I make it worse. And, and I'm saying, you're not helping me. I, you know, I just, I I become heightened. So, um, Mm -hmm. any,
0: any virtue Okay, sure. I mean, first of all, I really appreciate the the fact that you're asking the fact that you're thinking about, like, how can I make this better? Um, and, and just the challenge of the conditions is, is really, really tough. So I have a couple of questions. Are you, do you ever encounter otherwise, where you're you go into a place and you ask for help and they're like sure let me show you this sometimes sometimes great great yeah, yeah. and it's
2: and that's what i expect so mm-hmm. i don't go in there armed for a fight i go in there expecting goodwill and kindness right um, so when i encounter it it's kind of like oh this is so nice yeah you know, and then i told the supervisor
0: this person was so kind and so helpful yeah yeah so, is there when when a person starts to show um, resistance? Is it possible to just this is just an idea? Is it possible to and maybe you already do it? Um, say something to help them know that you recognize like how busy they must be or how stressed they might be um you know kind of like you know they the first sign of the i don't want to help you is like i know this yeah you know like kind of saying something like i know this is this is challenging i know you're busy um you know something that helps because this can change the timing sometimes. Um, that they are seen um, and heard. Um, that might that might be useful. That might help sometimes, <clears throat> and I think it also helps us. Because when we look at like what the other person might be experiencing, it helps us maintain more equanimity. I think because we're not we're not um, rooted in oh well I need this, even though you do need it. You know it kind of changes the energy. Yeah, um, may I respond to your you're wondering about
2: that the approach. Um, um, I, I have said that often. I know you're very busy. Um, you might not know the store that well, that kind of thing. But the, the thing is that it's, it's not the experience that they're too busy. It's mm-hmm. that it's an opportunity for them. They're, they're angry. They, just like the people who mm-hmm. tell me to walk into traffic and they know that I'll get hit by a car. They want to make a meal of somebody. Um, really encountering their um, yeah. feeling like they need to do something to hurt somebody because they believe they'll feel better. And if I were to say to them, Look, I know you're trying to hurt me because you believe you have a delusion that you'll feel better by doing it, I can't really do <laughs> <have> that. <laughs> no, that
0: doesn't sound like it's going um, yeah. so have
2: to work. Have, yeah. And in the I know you're busy. on rare occasions somebody is busy, but most of the time they're just sort of standing around and they're like, "Wow, I get to hurt somebody." Um, and again, I don't I don't take it personally because when I'm in blindness groups, uh, you know we talk about this all the time, that somebody just has an opportunity. And so I, I need another way, and maybe it's just waiting as I'm thinking out you know just sort of waiting and nodding and looking at the person and giving them a chance to which i've never done before i, I can try it giving them a chance to sort of look at me and calm down and know that i'm being calm yeah um, like meet them with total calm and regard mm-hmm. and warmth of spirit i don't bring warmth of spirit at some point mm-hmm. i believe um anger rises and um, sometimes it's that they don't know the store Mm -hmm. and then the supervisor's responsibility for having assigned somebody to this who doesn't know the store and then then it's unskillful I'll say well can we find somebody else who knows the the store you know I'll get a bit of a tone and um, instead of warmly saying it, maybe we should find somebody who knows the store and then the stress is off. So, um, you know, as you're creating space for me to think about this, there's, I appreciate it. There's more things that I can do to bring warmth and calm Mm -hmm. and patience. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is this tale of, as you've noted, and this can be spoken to of as opposed to when I encounter somebody who's a- attempting to assault me or wants to kill me, I don't ever in those situations wish that it were different. I'm not sitting there and saying, or standing there and thinking, I wish this were different, but I do in these cases that drag on.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I can be attentive to that tale of kind of like, oh, I'm noticing
0: that I wish this were different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like where you're going with this. and even when it feels like this person should know the store and they don't, Um, maybe when you say like, is there someone who um, knows that area of the store, not implying that they don't know enough or don't know anything. (laughs) You idiot, why are you working here? Why don't you learn the story? Yeah. Yeah. Finding a way for people to have a way to hold their own dignity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because most of the time those reactions are unexamined in in people you know they're not they're not maybe they're not even thinking oh i get to make a meal of this person it's all just like a bundle of reactions probably you know and yeah it's really really and
2: sometimes it really is that they will they'll be standing in front of something they'll say we don't carry that nope we don't have that and i'll be like i do i know you do so this happens, I know you do, this goes back to, I know you do, it's somewhere around here, I can't see it, no, nope. we don't have that here. Mm-hmm. And then some stranger will stand there and say, yes, you do, it's right there. And then we just, and then the person gets really defensive and then I have yeah. to do that and then the person, the stranger will say, I'm gonna to complain to your supervisor about how you treated this blind woman. And it just kind of like- it,
0: Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeah, Yeah, maybe a comment like, oh yeah, that can happen to anybody, you know, of course, you know. Um, And I'm guessing that, um, I mean, I don't know, is it true that you can sometimes see some things? Is it a mix? It's,
2: um, I'm just legally blind. I have no central vision at all. So Mm -hmm. I can see some colors but not accurately. I can sort of see shapes. but even if something's right in front of me, I won't tell yeah. exactly what I look like. I don't know any, So I don't know.
0: Um, so I, I, I look, the other thing is that I look more excited than I am. That's what I was getting at. It's like, I think people can get confused. They'll think this person's just putting me on. Because obviously she saw me do that thing that I just did. Um <laughs> You know, maybe it, maybe at some times there might be an opportunity to explain a little bit more about how that works, yeah, so that they can that they can understand that you actually do need the help. Yeah, and
2: maybe the reverse that they are actually believing that I'm trying to make a meal of them or dupe them or surprise them, and a lot of people just yeah. as a human race about oh, don't fool me, you know um. I mean, I yeah. can walk around doing this and kind of like <laughs> yeah. um, I look like I make eye contact, but if I'm looking at someone, I don't see them at all. Yeah. But, but I sometimes have my cane out, but not always. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so those are good suggestions. I can sort of listen to and see how if I do all of these things and and it's the arrows, like the arrows, I pay attention, don't let this end because these people are not put there in order to torment me they just have landed like napalm in front of me with their yeah. with their package um you know with their I, i've started thinking of some things as being like a holodeck from star trek the next generation where i've walked into their program about yeah. that and kind of like how do i turn off your program now before my
0: program starts kicking in. <laughs> yeah. It's just really funny. Or how can I like relate to your program with empathy? Yeah. Uh, let my new program be I'm going to be empathetic.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and god, look at that suffering. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. Thank
2: you much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. you're welcome. <laughs>
3: Yes, Jules. Hi, um, actually, I have a a question about um, metta and and compassion and meditating on these, these things. um, I have difficulty with really feeling metta for people who I have issues with. And whenever I try to meditate on metta for these people, I keep straying into what they've done that I have issues with. And, and, and it just doesn't, I can't give rise to the feeling within myself. Mm-hmm. But what does work with me is if I, if I focus on compassion and thinking, well, they think that they're, what they're doing is going to make them happy. And they must have had things in their past that make them do things like this. And mm-hmm. I've had things in my past that have made that, you know, have led me to do unskillful things. And I've yes, done unskillful yes. things cause I've thought they would make me happy and they don't. So I want compassion for myself. I can feel compassion for them. And through that, I can wish them benevolence but i can't get to the meta straightforward i can only go get to the meta through the the sense of compassion and i i, I feel like the way that brahma Paharas are um presented it's like you should be able to do like each of them separately or do you But intellectually, it seems like they're more melded together. I mean, my sense of it, it's really melded together. You can't really feel one without other ones. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I I can validate that. Um, And I really think throughout the teachings, as we read, read them in the suttas and all of that, you know, we want to learn what that means. But then when we take it into experience, it's not going to be just like it's in the books. And that's okay. Um, You know, I, I think what you're finding is fine, you know, do what works, do what brings more, more compassion, more Brahma Vihara into the mind. And then when the story starts to intrude, see what you want to do with it, you know, with mindfulness, maybe you kind of step back from the story and observe, you know, this is, this is just the story, you know, this is what happened, but that's not what's really important. And one of the ways to work with that aspect of it is through some kind of either somatic experiencing or something like feeding your demons where you're, the story part just gets like one phrase or one line. You know, when that happened, this is what feeling came up. And then notice that feeling in the body and be with it in the body because it's pointing at a misunderstanding in our own mind that makes that experience somehow important. And it has to do with a sense of self and maybe a sense of safety. And all the other things that come in our package when we become living beings, right? And so it's like recognizing that and because it's it's the story, repeating the story that makes us sad, angry, um, you know, upset, um, increases our sense of fear or worry or, you know, there's all kinds of problems with it. And then at the same time, we need to remember that this person is capable of this and make wise decisions about how much to associate with them Uh, based on that. You know, it's like I I bring up this often, Ajahn Chah talking about knowing the animals in the forest. You don't treat the tiger the way you would treat the bunny rabbit. (laughs) They're different. (laughs) And you need to kind of know what you're dealing with. Um, So there's always this interplay between the conventional self and the, the non-self, the, the transcendent, the, the, um, the unworldly, the higher mind, you know, we're working to develop higher virtue, higher wisdom and, and higher mind, which is higher meditation or higher samadhi. You know, it's like, it's like, we're working with, with this, and this is where we're headed, but we have the conventional self at the same time to make use of, to take care of. So it sounds to me like um, using compassion as the way in is just fine. I agree that there's more of a melding of them than we kind of see in in the stories. But there's this tiny little sutta, and I think it's in the Book of Fives in the Nikaya, that talks about ways to remove a grudge mm. or resentment. Mm-hmm. And the first one is to use metta, but the second one is to use compassion. Mm-hmm. And when the Buddha gives these kinds of lists, it doesn't mean you have, I mean, you can go in order, maybe, maybe that's useful, but you can use any one of them. And one of them is to avoid the person. Mm -hmm. and one of them is to recognize um, that this is their karma, you know, when people do things that are good, they have good results, and when they do things that are bad, there are bad results, and the karma, the the way karma works is going to take care of whatever, (laughs) you know, like, you can just let go of it, we don't have to do anything, um, we can just remember that you know that's how that's how it works and there's a fifth one is there not a fifth one anybody else remember so often there's a list of x and i get x minus one <laughs> <laughs> the the ways to um get rid of a grudge like go of a grudge you know like it's It's even in one of our chanting books in the back. It was something. So loving kindness, compassion, and equanimity are all in there, and letting, ignoring, or staying away from them. But anyway, we can find it and we can send you the link, or or you can just look it up. If you look it up, um, you know ways to remove a grudge and find the sutra reference. Thank you. You're welcome.
3: That's that's really helpful. Thanks.
0: Yeah. What?
4: Yeah. Neil. Yes. Hi. Yeah. It's so interesting that Jules's question.
0: Forrest um, just posted it in the chat. Sorry, Neil. Sure. Okay. Um, thank you, Forrest.
4: Her question is so related to a question that came up for me. But first, I want to say um, thank you so much for your talk at the beginning. The whole the package thing was really, really helpful. Um, I, you know, while you were leading, guiding the meditation through the Brahma Viharas, I suddenly had a realization that a reason why I have always, I have often resisted meta practice as a practice is because I think I'm kind of vague on what the difference is between meta and compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, based on what you were just saying for Jules's question, I think I have a sense, similarly, that compassion is. I don't want to say passive, but it's more internal. And it seems to me you need to develop that before you can then reach out with the more active loving kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if you would agree with that. But, um, I mean, loving kindness just sort of feels, I, I realize it feels kind of vague to me. I mean, what is the difference between, can you talk a little bit about what the, the Mm -hmm. specific differences are between loving kindness and compassion
0: yeah i mean i think that they are very related in fact i think loving kindness really provides the substrate for all of the brahma viharas and i think that's probably why the buddha emphasized it so much and then each time would say, and then there's also co- compassion and appreciative joy and equanimity, you know, kind of like, you know, recognizing that there is this love, um, this love for ourselves, this love for others, that as we erase our defilements, becomes more and more expanded and full and pure, and that it it is it is very much related to compassion because. The compassion is for the suffering, for wherever, whatever living being would be suffering. And it's understandable that that is so tangible. That is so directly experienceable, you know, like our own suffering and the suffering of others. And that might be the way that our heart actually gets touched because of that suffering. And in fact, suffering is, that's the key to our awakening. To recognize their suffering, to, to get that first noble truth, you know, there's suffering here. Suffering is afoot, you know, like we can put the sign on the door, suffering in progress. So it's like, yes. Yes, and then having compassion for that suffering is so natural when we when we are kind of able to rise out of our own suffering, or maybe we're deep in it even, and we we see the suffering in others, we can have compassion. So of course it's it's not so it's it's not disconnected from the love. It's just that. The love also can come without suffering being there. I mean, life is not all suffering. That isn't exactly what the Buddha said. There is joy. There is happiness. There is, there are those times of contentment and, and peace and um, you know, well-wishing and, and we, we as human beings go through a lot of effort to try to create those experiences, you know, holidays and celebrations and you know, to really tap into that. And and there are times of great gratitude. And then it's like loving kindness is present with all of that. It's not just there when suffering's there, but compassion is there for when suffering is there, when we're when we're tuned in to that aspect. And so I think that it feels vague when we're trying to generate it on the cushion. Um, and then when we're really out in, in, in the world, you might say, when we're experiencing what's happening, compassion might be what comes to the fore first. And that's Okay. But you know, the loving kindness too, is really it's really palpable. And, and this is one of the reasons it, for me, it feels very much like PT. So that joy that comes, that unworldly, pleasant feeling that arises when we become calm. Um, Meta feels a lot like that to me. And I think that also is related.
4: I guess I'm still struggling a little bit with it because you're using the word love a lot. And I guess I can relate more to the kindness part of loving kindness.
1: Mm-hmm. And
4: not that I don't. I mean, love is such a broad word, at least it's in, in the English language, that to yes, me yes. consists of all those other things
0: it does <laughs> um
4: and i mean it's to to go at a practice of feeling love i mean how do you do that i mean i i know there are you know the, there's you know the traditional or or certainly um commentarial way to go through you know i love yeah. you know you right. the other person and the, the not so nice person um i don't know i i'm still because you know then you, yeah. when you then when you said it feels like pity i'm thinking well to me that's kind of sympathetic joy i mean <laughs> what, what is the difference? Uh, yeah i don't want to belabor it you gave me a little no, bit but
0: of, this gave is me a little
4: bit of a sense of it but i'm still not sure mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I want to say that I as I was using the word love, I was thinking, can I get away with this right now? Cuz mm-hmm. most of the time I I mentioned that I don't like the translation of metta as love because of exactly what you said. We have so many definitions or impressions or And it's got all kinds of stuff in it that may not even be that wholesome. So, no. So usually, I, you know, I really um, disagree with using that as the translation for meta. However, my my split second judgment about using it here was, I think I can get away with it with these people (laughs) (laughs) because they know I'm not talking about, you know, those other things. But it's a good point to make clear as you're saying that when i when my experience and my understanding of metta of course is that there is kindness there there's it's kindness but it's this unconditional love of that's not wanting anything from anyone it's it's a no strings attached love that doesn't come because you're a nice person or you're like this or you're like that or that's you know it's just there the heart is full of it and it's an it's really an unworldly thing like people have said to me you know like unconditional love is an impossibility no it's an impossibility in the material physical world yes it's 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 not it doesn't come from that it comes from something um, beyond that and i think i think i wouldn't worry even a fraction of a second about whether you can put the label that's correct on a divine abiding experience who cares? (laughs) It's like, it's going to be a mix. And, and it's all good, you know, and we're really just talking about different facets of the same thing. But what's in there? It's, it's this boundless heart of all of these, like, joy, compassion, equanimity, and loving kindness or loving friendliness or but it's it's not an I don't think it's enough to just say goodwill because metta really goes beyond that it's a boundless unconditional quality
4: and yet you want to make it the first step in the practice (laughs) (laughs) you got to start with this boundless quality
0: (laughs) that's right <laughs> Just jettison right into the-
4: <laughs> I think for me personally, I'm gonna put it at the end. I'm gonna wait till I get to equanimity before I can concentrate on boundless love. But no, I, I, I get think what that's you're saying.
0: Plenty, fair enough. And I think the Buddha gave um so many methods because we do need to come come to things from different places. And it's like, you know, it's wholesome and it's working. Do that. It's it's a tapestry. It's it's a it's it's a collection. You know, you pull one string, you're gonna get the whole thing. It's okay. And it's okay to, for the labels not to fit. In Thailand, these Arahants all the time are saying it's not like it's in the books. That's just in the books. <laughs> Don't get caught up in what's in the books, you know. And that's because the experience is the real deal. And so, you know, just keep going.
4: Thank
0: you. <laughs> Paula? Um, I wanted to, I um, Aya, thank you for your
5: teachings. I wanted to um, talk a little bit about um, an experience I had that kind of ties in with everything, but not i mean everything ties in with everything but i was with some friends and um there was some i guess you would you you could call it gossip but it was also these people talking about what had happened in another situation i wasn't there with a particular person whose behavior was offensive Mm um and uh, I was not there when this happened, so I can't really speak to how I would have felt if I was there. He said something that was inappropriate and this behavior was inappropriate. And it's in, it's in a tight kind of club that I'm belong with. And um, my reaction at the time, because I was still kind of raw, from your teachings, (laughs) Wednesday (laughs) is that, oh, wow, I had a little bit of compassion for this person because they obviously were suffering. Mm -hmm. And it was what they said um, and their actions obviously uh, were um, consistent with them having issues in their life. Mm -hmm. Not being, Um, able to uh, react, you know, interact well. Mm -hmm. And so then I was sort of confused as to what to do in the situation when these people were talking because I could stay quiet and not contribute and not say anything, you know, Mm -hmm. write speech or just say, stay quiet. But I, (laughs) I instead chose to say, "Well, he must have some issues going on. What can we do?" Mm. Um, and there was a mix of reactions. <laughs> there was some people saying, "Well, you weren't there. You don't know what that was like to be in this situation." Yes. And other people. So my question is coming down to when you're in a, and you and you yourself said that it, that when you're in community, that's when these things come up. So, this is my community, at mm-hmm. least right now. And, and my question then is when, when there is some kind of speech going on that you recognize as being possibly not um, wholesome,
3: mm-hmm.
5: um, where people are putting a person down and saying this person has a big ego, like what? What, what should your reaction be? Can you talk to that?
0: Well, of course, the first thing I have to do is give the d- disclaimer, it depends. Okay. <laughs> and there's probably no right answer, really. Mm. You know, because, in, and one of the things to make sure that we don't do is, after people have not agreed with us or liked what we said to take that as the basis for our judgment of our own react of our of what we had done so let me make that clearer like you said he must have some issues going on what can we do to support him something like that um I don't know how you feel about that after the various reactions that people had, but from the sound of it, that was a perfectly reasonable and compassionate thing to say. Sometimes we reevaluate what we've done based on the response. Like I felt quite unhappy with the things I've said because it, the people didn't react in a positive way but that's not the right thing to use for our valuation. Um, the right thing to use is, was this a kind, compassionate thing to say? And it's never gonna be possible to include all of the aspects for the right balance. I mean, you could say, yeah, that was really unskillful of him and he must have issues going on, you know, something like that. But even, even if we don't happen to, in one gulp, uh, be able to, you know, like put all of the, the, <laughs> the, the balance out there, the fact is you, you brought something into the concept, conversation that could help people reflect, and you never know when they're going to really make progress with that based on what you said. Even if they're completely opposed to it in the moment, it might have some beneficial effect later. So it sounds to me like you're close enough to these people that it is good to say something. And it is good to broaden the perspective, if we can, to include the empathy for the person who's who's being um, kind of distanced or um, ridiculed. Because it's true, it's never all black and white, it's not all one way. I mean, the Buddha was great about saying, Okay, if a person is doing this and this and this, and you know, the first thing is wholesome and the other two are unwholesome, then he can be be praised for the first one and blamed for the other two. (laughs) You know, there's always a mix, almost always a mix, you know, and that's the nature of this world the dark and the light. And so there's, you know, like I've heard people reflect on working with people who've done really terrible things. And they say, when you look deeper into it, you unpack that package even further, then you see like what's happened behind it, the trauma that's there and the the challenges that are there. And it doesn't make what they're doing okay. It just means that there's more to see and more to look into. So it's hard to know what the right thing is to say at the right time. We just try and timing matters. Um, So, you know, and and the Buddha said himself that even the Buddha will say what's true. um, It's going to have a beneficial purpose. And it's, it's going to be um, set at the right time. But if the person likes it or not, that's not the criteria that you base um, your evaluation of what you said on. Because sometimes they're not going to like it. It's mm. still true. It still has a good purpose. And it was set at a proper time.
5: Yeah, because I have a big mouth and I just can't sit aside when I when I recognize that there's some unskillful discussion going on
0: yeah uh, and you got to look think. at yourself to know whether the, the the big big mouth is really about like I have to make sure I'm mm. seen or I'm like you know like whatever it, Is there's some ego behind it and right. and and sift that away and just look at like, is this beneficial or potentially beneficial?
5: Because um, I, I feel like there's a lot of times when I'm in discussion with people and I'm like, wow, they're, it's not only just this. You could say, you know, this is an example of, uh-huh. of many times when we're yeah. in community with people and you see that their way of looking things is totally different than you and you just don't know what to say yeah people will will like compliment you for you know maybe what you're wearing or what you're how you're looking or you know it's just like I I don't want to go there that's not (laughs) something that I want to discuss but then you don't know quite what to say
0: yeah
5: Uh, it happens all the time
0: yeah Uh, yeah this is one of the challenges because you know, when I first encountered the Dhamma, and maybe you all have had this experience too, it was a big, it was a paradigm shift. Mm. You're looking at the world differently. I had to listen to Ajahn Samedo's talks over and over again, same talk. I mean, you know, because <laughs> I had to like, get my, I had to wrap my head around this. And, you know, when you're talking about, well, I don't want to be complimented on what I'm wearing or how I'm looking. And it's, it's like, yeah, okay. But that's That's the way people are taught to be polite in the world, to try to give each other some kind of encouragement or support or acceptance or some, you know, what are they really saying? Do they really care what your clothes look like? Maybe they do, but probably not. It's more about connecting, maybe, you know, there, you can look a little deeper, but when it comes to something like, um, righteous anger or, uh, you know, some kind of. Um, hatred of other people or discrimination or, you know, like all kinds, there's all kinds of really unwholesome things, Mm. views that people have that they think are completely correct. It's okay to go to war and kill all kinds of people because, you know, we're the ones who have the right idea. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) No, (laughs) you know, then we feel like, okay, that's important. That's important to to take a stand. And silence is a is a kind of, um, you know, kind of going along with it. That's the sign, and we don't want to do that. So at least we can say, I don't agree with that, or I don't believe that. We don't have to get too much deeper into that unless they're interested. But at least you've put a stake in the ground. And then we always have to be looking for the ego appropriating uh, what we're we're doing, what we're thinking, what we're saying, because it always wants to get in there, (laughs) make a self out of something. (laughs) So we want to try to keep that reined (laughs) in. I'm not saying that to you because I think you've got that that I'm not, this is just a general thing. No, no, I
5: I understand, (laughs) I agree. And I I thank you very much for your answer. Thank you. You're welcome. I get it.
0: We have two minutes. Karen, do you still wanna say something or did you just think the time was gone? No, I was just having a hard time articulating my question. So I thought I would save it for another day. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Totally fine. I'm rethinking. (laughs) Um, We've been thinking about reducing the amount of time for this session to an hour and a half, but today we used it really well. Okay, there's one thumbs up. What do you think? An hour and a half is okay? Um, Okay, so. Several people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Should we just start at 9 to 10.30? I think we'll just stick. keep it at nine or would you rather start at nine 30? No, nine o'clock. Okay. We'll keep it at nine. Cause then, you know, people might show up <laughs> at that time.
1: Thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma seed. Please visit
4: Dharma slash donate.